Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, good afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. And it's normal time today. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us. We'll tell you right out of the gate that you can be a part of the conversation this afternoon on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire wants to remind you of this. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throats, or shortness of breath? Well, C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screenings through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Again, the text line, 601-879-4395. Another beautiful day today in the state of Mississippi. We've got a bunch coming for you this afternoon, including three different guests today who will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson will join us. You know Luke as the co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super uh, Super Talk Laurel. Uh, He is a regular contributor on this show, but right now uh, Luke really heavily involved in some of the cleanup and uh, um, trying to get life back to normal efforts in the uh, the Pine Belt region. We will talk with him about some of what's going on in and around uh, Laurel and Soso and some of the surrounding communities that uh, were dealt such a difficult blow with the tornadoes that came through on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. We'll also talk in the 4 o'clock hour today with Robert St. John, chef extraordinaire. He is a restaurateur. He is a, uh, a fun guy to talk to and uh, is kind of the uh, the engine behind Extra Table, uh, an organization that is involved in uh, making sure that uh, food uh, goes out to those in need in the state of Mississippi. So look forward to that conversation in the 4 o'clock hour. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, Josh West will join us from Blue Delta Jeans. You may or may not know the story of that company, uh, Blue Delta Jeans. They make custom blue jeans, and they are fantastic. But Blue Delta is one of a bunch of companies in the state of Mississippi who have pressed pause on their normal operations and have found themselves very much an essential business as they have become huge makers of masks for healthcare workers. We'll talk a little bit with Josh about how they have transitioned as a company, what's going on right now, and just what this whole process has been like for them at Blue Delta. So all of that coming up this afternoon. But first of all, glad to have you along for the ride. Michael Borky, what's up on a Thursday? A beautiful Thursday. Yeah, just an absolutely perfect day. I worked a little bit outside this morning, like just sat outside with my laptop and, and did work. So that was awesome. Um, hate to, to dampen the mood, but uh, just like we did last week, um, Sunday's potentially another severe weather day. I mean, you mentioned why Luke's coming on. So 
um, as you saw, it can get pretty bad around here. So just keep that in mind as you move into the weekend. We might have another one of those kind of events on Sunday. Well, certainly we hope that that's not the case, that maybe the forecast changes a little bit, but uh, you can rest assured that Super Talk Mississippi will have you covered with all that you need to know to stay safe and to keep your family safe in the event of rough weather. Hey, Dad, what's up on a Thursday, my man? Not a whole lot today. Nice, beautiful day outside, and uh, like I said, I, w- I wish this weather could be uh, 365. I, w- I wish it was, it was all the time like this. Yeah, we're kind of in San Diego territory today, right? This is what San it feels Diego. like every day in San Diego. Yes. Rippy, what's shaking? Not much. Played some golf, just kind of hanging out. You played golf this morning? I did. There you go. Uh, did you go Mallard Point again? No, Kirkwood. Okay. How'd you play? That's a that's a tough little track, or at least it used to be. It still is, but Small enjoyed grades. the weather. Or yeah. San Diego-esque weather. You know what San Diego stands for, right? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. You can always text us on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Taylor says he has been spraying and fertilizing sports fields for over six hours, and now he's ready to hear Sports Talk uh, Mississippi as he finishes the last couple of fields. Beautiful day to be outside Uh, doing whatever it is. And hopefully those ball fields will be in use before too terribly much longer. I know we've talked a fair amount of golf uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, and I think part of the reason is it feels like golf um, and the PGA Tour are providing some hope uh, that maybe we're not getting with other sports leagues. Now, we are pretty confident that golf is going to look different when it comes back, especially for the first four events But now the PGA Tour has officially listed their plans for the remainder of the 2019-20 season. Uh, Actually, I guess it would be the remainder of the 2020-2021 season. So the rest of this year... No, that's not right. It's It's the the rest of 1920 and the beginning of 2021. So it started in October or so of last year and will run through the end of September and then they'll start the new season as well. And they've got an ambitious schedule. Now we'll see if all of these things happen. My guess is uh, that they don't bat a thousand on this. There was a quote from uh, Andy Pazder with the PGA Tour. Here's what he said. I'm confident that we'll be able to resume play. That's different than certain. If we're comfortable that our testing protocols give us a confidence level, then we're going to proceed with our tournaments and we won't proceed if we're not confident. Uh, There also was a PGA Tour official who talked about COVID-19 testing once tournaments return. Here's the quote. We're spending a lot of time right now learning about testing. At this juncture, we're merely evaluating. Our understanding is that as it becomes more available, it would be appropriate to use this to help us return. So... The return is not imminent, but it is on the calendar. We're sitting here on April 16th, and they're looking at almost two months from now before they bring professional golf back, and again, for the first four events with no fans in attendance. The first tournament back would be the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial in Fort Worth. That starts on June 8th. The following week, and this was a hole in the schedule in some of the reporting, although it was alluded to, would be the uh, RBC Heritage, that's at Harbortown in Hilton Head, South Carolina, starting on June 15th. 
The following weekend, they would be in Connecticut. That's one that, to me, may be a little bit of wishful thinking, just kind of given what they're going through in the Northeast. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that you know, two months and change out, they feel confident enough to be able to move forward there. And then the following week, 4th of July weekend, the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. So those are the first four that right now are slated not to have fans in attendance. But they they outline this, and we've gotten some of this information over the last couple of weeks, all the way through September 7th with the Tour Championship, and then rolling into the start of the new schedule for the 2020-2021 season, and that includes three of the four... No, that's not right. It includes two of the four major championships from this season, including the U.S. Open, which would be played in September in New York, and the Masters that would be played in Augusta in November. How ambitious is this schedule from the PGA Tour? It it depends on, I guess... um what the next few weeks hold, right? Because as we've talked about a few times, it's not about a vaccine or a cure. It's about rampant, widespread, readily available testing to make sure these things can go off. And so if that becomes available in the next few weeks, it's not ambitious at all. It's probably going to happen. I mean, as scheduled, not with fans, but as scheduled, this is going to happen So these next few weeks are really important. I keep seeing article after article about um, this sports league is involved in uh, in investing in getting testing or this company is invested in getting testing. If that all comes to fruition over the next couple of weeks and you can get a test or an antibody test at the tip of your fingers whenever you need it, this is happening. At least that would be my guess. Hey, Dad, Rippy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, but it, kind of thinking about the timeline. So if we rewind five weeks to March 11th, give or take, when Rudy Gobert was donated, uh, diagnosed with COVID-19, all the stories were about there's no testing, there's no testing. And now we look up five weeks later, and the United States has performed more tests than any country in the world, I think. That is true. Wouldn't it be safe to assume that over the next five or six weeks – that the number of tests that are available and the processes that go along with those would continue to evolve and continue to multiply so that we're not going to be looking at a shortage and these tests probably will be available. But I think part of it is the rapid testing, right? It's a different type of testing from what I understood about the NBA trying to create the bubble. Like you have to get results within minutes as opposed to days. Which you're going to have to get tested daily. Right. You have to know the result instantly. It was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, when the, the president in one of his news conferences had the, the testing, the mobile testing unit that he flipped upside down on the table and didn't realize it was upside down. But those are out there, and they're becoming more and more readily available, I think. At least that's the way I understand it. Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we are trending in that direction. I think we're taking positive steps. I know a lot of people are, are only talking about the negative, but I feel like there are some positive steps... Maybe they're not happening as quickly as we would like, but it's moving in the right direction. Sports Talk Mississippi, quick timeout, just getting started with you on this Thursday. Programming note for you here on Super Talk Mississippi. As you know, we have become accustomed to bringing you the governor's press conferences daily. Uh, that have been starting at 2.30, so about halfway through Rebecca's show and then going for the first half hour or so of this show. 
that's noticeably absent today, and that's because Governor Tate Reeves was on a call with the other 49 governors and the President of the United States and members of the Coronavirus Task Force for the guidelines for opening up America again. So I said programming note. Uh, Governor Reeves will host a press conference tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We will bring that to you in its entirety right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, that will be right at the conclusion of the Gallo Show in the morning. So Paul will finish things up at 9 o'clock, and then we'll hand off to the governor. Uh, the expectation is that this will be a longer press conference tomorrow because, well, frankly, it's the most anticipated press conference that he has held over the last couple of weeks. The governor is expected to outline uh, a plan for reopening the state of Mississippi tomorrow. Uh, we'll all be interested to see what those guidelines are. Uh, there's already some news report or some news reporting out there from the press conference, or not the press conference, but, but the um, uh, phone conference that President Trump had with the governors earlier today. I think it's okay to outline these things right now. Uh, you get multiple agencies that uh, news agencies that are reporting this. Uh, the president told governors on a conference call today that he wants to begin to reopen the United States economy on May 1st. He called on governors with low coronavirus numbers to begin to reopen their economies on or before May 1st with the caveat that states should go at their own pace. Here was the quote from the president in only the way that he could say it. You states with beautifully low numbers, let's get your states open and get back to work. The White House distributed a document of guidelines for, quote, opening up America again, close quote, that offers proposed phased reopenings in states or regions. It includes metrics around cases, symptoms, and hospital capacity, and includes three distinct phases for states beginning when they satisfy an initial list of progress based on those metrics. Here's how they're trying to phase it, or suggesting that it be phased. Number one, a slightly softer lockdown with a phased reopening of some offices and social distancing still encouraged. Number two, for non-vulnerable population, life largely returns to normal Non-essential travel can resume for non-vulnerable populations. And then number three, for vulnerable populations, life can begin to normalize, but with social distancing uh, for those people that are in the vulnerable population. That feels like progress, and, and it's not going to be that way everywhere, right? I mean, we've got states that have already said they're going to be locked down until May 15th, uh, particularly that kind of consortium of states in the Northeast, with New York and Delaware and Connecticut and New Jersey and whoever else is in that group of states. I think there's seven governors. Pennsylvania's involved in that. I would anticipate, though, and, and I think Louisiana is a little bit different, so I'm not going to say the southeast particularly or, or specifically, but it feels like Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, maybe Tennessee, I, I don't know for sure. Tennessee had I, a... Uh, a low since the start of this and number of positives. So Okay, so perhaps Tennessee, probably Texas, probably kind of some of the heartland of the United States where you don't have as many big cities and you haven't seen as many extreme um Did you say Ohio? Counts? Because their governor has already said May 1st. I have not said Ohio. Um, my guess is 
that some of those states you're going to see wording or, or releases from the governors today, tomorrow, maybe on Monday, that they will begin that phased reopening at the end of this month. I'm not I'm not drawing a parallel to sports here. I mean, we'll just kind of let this kind of sit out there as news. But in terms of just American citizens or Mississippians or Southeastern people, you know, however you want to describe us, this feels like it's good news and we're trending again in the right direction. Agreed? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It feels like, you know, I think I said this on the show right after all this started. I said I'd rather look back in a few weeks and say, man, we, we, it feels like we overreacted than come mm-hmm. back in a few weeks and say, wow, we screwed up and should have done more. And right now, a lot of people are going to say, they're going, oh, well, we overreacted and it's not going to be that bad. I think it's bad because I think it's better now because of the way we reacted. I think the fact that we sort of slowed everything down and shut things down, in, in my opinion, is the reason we're starting to feel a little bit of positive momentum today. Yeah. You know, as awful as this has all been, and it's been horrific, it's been tragic, we've seen tens of thousands of people lose their lives, it's nowhere even remotely close to what was forecast at the beginning of this. I mean, think about, you know, as as we've talked about projected or predicted number of deaths, Just think about the numbers and how they have declined. We've gone from a projection slash prediction of 2 million to 600,000 to a range of somewhere between 100,000 and 240,000 to now we're sitting on about 40,000 deaths with a projection of ending around 60,000. I'm not making light of the fact that potentially 60,000 Americans are going to lose their life. It is as tragic as anything we've ever dealt with. But in comparison to the numbers that were projected when this began, it's almost a miracle. Maybe it is a miracle that we're going to end up with a a fraction of some of those worst-case scenario projections. A miracle, a blessing... Hey, Dad, to your point, a pretty good response, despite all the criticism that goes along with the response, but a pretty good response that has mitigated what had a chance to be just absolutely devastating. We've avoided yeah. that, largely. It feels like that. Now, you never know. We've got to keep doing the right things, I think. But, you know, it, it does feel like, I don't want to say the worst is behind us, but it does feel like we're sort of... Well, the curve has yeah, flattened. Tur- yeah, we, we've turned a corner a little bit. What, what did Billy Brewer say one time? We didn't turn the corner, but we got the blinker on. That, that's us right now. Yeah, Billy it, Dog gets credit for that quote. I love it. I and, remember reading it one time. I'll take. I'll, I'll give him credit. The dog. Rest his soul. Sorry, yeah. Borky, go ahead. No, it, it's... And when these things do unravel, you're still going to have to take measures. I mean, I, I had to, to yes, mail something. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had to go to a, a... It was local UPS. I can say that, right? And, and mail something. I had to do it through UPS to send it back to the company I bought it from. And they would only let a, a couple people in the store at a time. Like, you had to wait outside, separate from each other, to yeah. go in. It, you're going to have to keep doing stuff like that, but... Yeah. As as long as that means there's some normal scene, we're still being safe. I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, we're not going back to hugging and kissing everybody just yet. We just, you know. Yeah, stand down, hey, that's like. Who well, hugs are coming, guys, as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't start shaking hands. Don't start bro-hugging all the time just because yeah. the stay-at-home orders are being lifted. And and we don't know that. I mean, what, like I said, I'm I'm speculating a little bit. But, uh, again, I think a pretty highly anticipated press conference from the governor that we will bring to you on Super Talk Mississippi tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. when we should get a little bit of a uh, a little bit of sense of what things are going to look like starting about two weeks from right now, and I think it's going to be important. And I, I mean, I'm kind of looking in the mirror here. I'll just be. I mean, I told you guys yesterday. It's like I'm I'm over this, but I think it's going to be important to continue to kind of do what we've been doing for two more weeks. It's like we made it through a month. Surely we can get through two more weeks of, you know. Being smart. Yeah. Although, I mean, if we're being real, traffic is picking up. More people are out. The weather has been beautiful, uh, largely over the last few days, and people are getting out. And if they know two weeks from now this thing's completely over, at least in terms of the stay-at-home ban, I think you're going to see that continue to increase. So probably need to be smart, though, for two more weeks, if indeed that's the time frame that the uh, the governor outlines in the morning, and uh, see where it goes. This does not mean college football kicks off on September 5th. No. This does not mean that the NBA playoffs begin in two weeks. This does not mean that Major League Baseball will have 45,000 people in stadiums a month from today or six weeks from today. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it is a step in the right direction. COVID-19 is impacting all aspects of the lives of Mississippians in honor of the 16 Make-A-Wish kids in Mississippi. And to help our heroes on the front lines of this battle, Make-A-Wish staff, volunteers, and Wish families will donate a hand-sewn mask to local health facilities for every $10 donated. It's called the Fund-A-Mask Grant-A-Wish Challenge. To help and help grant a wish to a child with a life-threatening disease and... Help our health care workers get much-needed masks. Go to supertalk.fm slash masks. supertalk.fm slash masks. Luke Johnson will join us from the Pine Belt when we continue on Supertalk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Also, you can watch what happens during the Sports Talk Mississippi show live or on demand on your computer or on your phone or your tablet by going to supertalk.fm slash watch. supertalk.fm slash watch. Or if you go to supertalktv.com, it will redirect you to that page. And, of course, you can follow the stream on Periscope through Twitter. That is easy for you. Just follow us on Twitter at Sports Talk M I S S. Don't forget your smart TV as well. You can also watch Super Talk Mississippi on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. Search Super Talk or go to supertalk.fm slash connect to get connected on your smart device. Does that cover all the bases, Borky? I think that covers all the bases. It's a lot of bases. It's like three baseball fields like merged into one for some new super sport or something. But yeah, I think you got them all. Well, let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We tip our caps to all the folks at, uh, at Farm Bureau who have been out in force in South Mississippi, in the eastern part of the state, in the northwestern part of the state, 
who are helping their customers after the storms from the weekend. And Luke Johnson is a, uh, a guy who has had a chance to up close and personal see uh, some of the tragedy uh, that is uh, a result of what has happened on uh, Sunday of last week. And Luke, I don't want to start on a heavy note. So I say you've had a chance to see some of the tragedy but generally speaking, in Mississippi, we tend to be at our best when things are at their worst. Have you also seen some stories of neighbor helping neighbor and some uplifting stuff over the last few days with the recovery efforts off and running in uh, in the Pine Belt? That's probably the greatest understatement of your life, what you just said. It has been unbelievable. Tell me um, about it, my friend. Well, guys, it started on a good Easter lunch at my parents' house, and about three or four hours later, we were in a closet with the, uh, the TV volume blaring so that we could hear the, the weather. It, this storm went about half a mile north of where I was. And um, just this week, it's been a question of uh, who, who wasn't affected. I got out immediately after the first tornado to try to check on some people and some stuff and had to get back, you know, in the house within 20 minutes because of the, uh, the second one that was supposed to be coming on the same path. Um, and then we immediately got out mobilized a bunch of people and we spent the rest of the sunday just cutting people out of uh out of opening roads and cutting people out of homes and just this week guys i show up um, i'm helping coordinate with efforts here with jones county baptist uh we're we're set up at first baptist so so and man the cajun navy rolled in monday morning um we've had uh just samaritan's purse is on the ground today uh but it's just been overwhelming just people just ordinary dudes People hit me up yesterday. I was on Rebecca's show, and a guy's coming in tomorrow with uh, a track loader and three excavators. Um, people just, you know, normal, every, everyday people just reaching out and helping their neighbors. Uh, people just dropping off what they can um, in, in any way and every way. And uh, just guys showing up in the morning. We've tarped a ton of roofs. We still have a lot more to go. Uh, but it, it, it has been, you know, I, I can get emotional with it because of, of where it hit was right through the woods. A lot of my friends were affected. We were, you know, hovering in a closet. And uh, I've, I've literally seen the world come to help my family and friends. It's been overwhelming. Luke, when, when you mentioned the Cajun Navy, I don't know why it was that was what triggered it, but I had a little bit of a chill that, that kind of ran up my arms as I was thinking about that. I mean, whatever Louisiana jokes or LSU jokes that you want to make aside – that's a really fascinating group, and it's 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 loosely organized, but it's a group from Louisiana that's got boats, and they've got chainsaws, and they've got ATVs, and they seem to be willing to help, whether it's in the state of Louisiana or in this case in the in the parts of uh, of South Mississippi where you are. Yeah, I had a guy come up and ask me uh, if I was Luke Johnson. I said, "Yeah, man." He said, "I've been looking for you." One of my friends told me to talk to you. We're from from the Cajun Navy, and uh, where do we get to work? And we <laughs> we, wow. we sent out, and, and uh, but it's just been like that. I mean, it's just been churches um, showing up with chainsaws. It's just been ordinary people showing up with chainsaws. Uh, I mean, some of the stories you hear, man. I mean, I'm telling you, we're, we're you know 14 people have passed away because of these storms. But I, I mean, I'm hearing seven, eight, nine, ten stories of just like providential protection there was one guy right outside of so-so um he he had he didn't realize the storm was on him as quick as it was and he, he went outside and, and moved something and it literally came roaring up 
this uh, this hill towards him. He tried to get inside. The door just sucked shut, and he, it threw him on the ground. So he tried to get around in another door. It sucked and shut him down and threw him down. And all he was able to do was climb under his Polaris side-by-side and hold on for dear life, looked up, watched his house go. And the only room that didn't collapse in his house, his entire house is gone, was the room where his child and his wife were, and they were safe. Just, like, stories like that. And then everybody's showing up, you know, at his place the next day or other people's places and just rolling their sleeves up and just getting after it. And that is what, and, and especially because this is the week after Easter, man, it's been just hope has just been uh, transmitted, you know, from, from literally just people. Uh, and we've been trying to do it smart. We've been trying to follow guidelines. We're serving food at three or four different locations. And, you know, our people are wearing masks and, we're trying to do the best as we deal with COVID, too. But, man, just yeah. a, a week. And God gave us great weather to tarp roofs, too, this week, too. Mm-hmm. Luke, I, I know you've seen the pictures floating around. You probably haven't had as much time to look at Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but but these have been pretty well published. There, there are two that stand out to me. There's, there's the one picture of the house that is a slab and a safe room. And the family was inside the safe room, and that – concrete block room in the interior of their house is all that made it and then the picture of the house where most of the roof was torn off windows were blown out and there was a freshly baked cake sitting in a glass dish in the middle of a kitchen counter everything was destroyed around it but this cake is sitting there perfectly as if to say hey when you rescue workers come in have a bite to eat that was the wade's house that's in the matthews community his son coached me soccer at West Jones. I was over there uh, huh. yesterday. I was over there Monday. And, uh, yeah, and, and what's interesting about his house, that, that man has been on a lot of disaster relief sites over the years, and now the world comes to him to help. Um, the, the first uh, place you mentioned is up in the Mossville community or the Moss community just across the Jasper line, and they were devastated. I was standing out in the parking lot uh, with the pastor of Moss Baptist Church, uh, Tony Johnson, and, you know, just having – you know, just being there for people to lean on. You know, people don't think about this too, Richard. You know, there's a lot of people in in leadership and, uh, you know, whatever it would be, a pastor or a community leader, and, you know, everybody looks to them for leadership. And so, you know, we've just been making sure those people understand that, you know, they, they need to let their emotions out and they need to be able to talk to people. And, and that's just where it's been, man. Everybody's been there for everybody. It's just been extraordinary. Luke, we got a couple of minutes left here. Do you, have you got time to hang on with us for one more segment after this? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, because I want to, I want to get to the point where we kind of talk about you know people, whether they're in North Mississippi sitting in Oxford right now, or they're in Tupelo or Starkville or, or Central Mississippi, uh, that would like to help. If there's a way to do that, I, I'd like for us to get to that in, in just a couple of minutes. But I, I do want to take you back to Sunday, because you know I, I was sitting here in my office. Uh, Will East and Stephen Gagliano were in the studio in Jackson. We were tracking these storms and, you know, Bassfield, direct hit, so-so, direct hit. Are those communities going to be able to, in time, make a recovery? I, I can't speak for Bassfield. Mine has really been in contact with, with the people in seminary and then, of course, here in Jones County, Heber, sure. so-so, um, and Moss. And uh, in the Matthews community, you know, so so, so so will come back, um, and and partly because of uh, just the the outpouring of it. But at the same time, I mean, 
you know, they're an incorporated town, um, and uh, and and they're big central with like West the West Jones community. They'll, they'll those will come back. Moss is is really is really bad, Richard. And that was where you were talking about the guy was in his, his safe room. That's a very strong community, and they have responded with unbelievable. I, I was I was joking the other day. I said, "Man, Moss is running a tight ship." I was up there dropping some material off and. They are extremely well organized. And see, this is what gives me hope with it. In all those communities, and I may get emotional when I talk about this, in all those communities, all those people that lost homes and all those people that are looking at their friends, they're, they're the same people that are walking over their neighbor's house when they get done cutting their chainsaw, the chainsaw on their trees, and they're going next door and doing it to their neighbor. They're the ones that are showing up at the churches and feeding 500, 1,000 people a day. And it's, they're, they're, not, they're not feeling sorry for themselves. They're not mad. Um, somebody said it best this way. They said they've seen a lot of, uh, of broken um, hearts, but they have not seen a lot of broken lives. And I think that is the, the response to these people. And I just think, like, they're going to get through just fine and rebound. Hang with us just for a few minutes, Luke, if you don't mind, through a, a quick commercial break. I want us to come back, and I want us to talk about uh, how people in other parts of the state of Mississippi can help. Obviously, there is, a uh, at, le- at, at the very least, a loosely organized network, and it sounds like, from what you're saying, maybe a, a little more organization than I'm giving credit for. Uh, and we know Mississippians, not just in the Pine Belt, but all over the state, have got big hearts. We'll talk about how you may be able to help when we come back. More with Luke Johnson, who's co-host of the Eagle Hour, on Sports Talk Mississippi, Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm on this Thursday afternoon, the 16th of April. Thanks for being with us. Let's return to the Farm Bureau phone line. Again, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson visiting with us. You know Luke is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. He's also a pastor in Jones County and is working to uh, coordinate some of the relief efforts that are happening there in the wake of the storms uh, that came through on Sunday. Luke, the state of Mississippi, no um, no stranger to natural disaster, right? I mean, we've, we've dealt with floods in recent months, obviously dealing with the aftermath of the tornadoes and you know severe thunderstorms and straight-line winds that affected other parts of the state. We've dealt with hurricanes in the past. And we always see Mississippians and others, but specifically Mississippians, step up and immediately say, I want to help. How can I help? So I'll pose that question to you because you are on site and you're coordinating some of these efforts. If uh, if Brian Haydad in Starkville or Brian Scott Rippey in Oxford or somebody in Tupelo or Corinth or Olive Branch wants to help, how can they help? How can we help? So there's two two sides to it. Um, let's start from the distance first uh, because you guys are a little further away. Um, there's a way to give financially, and uh, and I'll tell you about that just in a second. What we're doing is we're uh, supplies are getting donated, but we're purchasing things. Uh, we're buying things for family. Uh, we're for families. We're buying you know materials to to roof and to tarp. We're buying gasoline. Um, all this different stuff. You know the expenses and. There's a way to give financially. Everything that's given goes uh, directly to it. Um, it that's kind of loose. So what I did with with my church, First Baptist Ellisville, we because I'm, I'm helping coordinate, we just went ahead and set up a fund that people can give directly to online. 
firstbaptistellisville.com, firstbaptistellisville.com. You can click on Give and just designate it, memo it to Tornado Relief. You can give that from your, your cell phone, from your computer, firstbaptistellisville.com. Closer, you know, a lot of people have been wanting to volunteer, and, and we need equipment. We need tractors. We need chainsaws. We need skidders. We need front-end loaders. You know, it's just the, the massive amount of debris. The number to call to coordinate is better if you call ahead of time before you just roll in because we want to be able to be uh, sufficient or and efficient, I should say. We want to be efficient in how we use you and your resources and, um, you know, the, your, your willingness to serve. You can call 601-577-0680, 601-577-0680. That's with the Jones County Baptist Disaster Relief. We're set up on-site at First Baptist Soso. People can call ahead of time and volunteer. Regarding donations, if you want to donate, you can drop these off also at First Baptist Soso. We need cleaning supplies. We need plastic storage bins, like bigger ones. Think about what you send your kids off to college with, because a lot of people are having to pack up their homes because they're destroyed or their roof's gone. Uh, We need gift cards to... Anywhere people could, you know, purchase clothes or purchase supplies as they rebuild their life. Um, a lot of just individually wrapped snacks. Uh, we're, we're trying to feed our volunteers and take care of them, too. And then detergent. That was a big need right before I came on air. So cleaning supplies, plastic storage bins, gift cards, individually wrapped snacks, and detergent. All that can be delivered to First Baptist So-So. Fantastic there. So for the the person that is maybe in Jackson that's a little bit closer or the surrounding area or maybe somebody that uh, is up for making a road trip from North Mississippi, call that number that uh, that you gave, 601-577-0680. Find out how you can help, but you guys are open to people loading up a trailer that's got tractor and a couple of chainsaws on it and shovels and gloves and Bring your work boots and, and come down and, and get to work. You you can be put to work. Come to the free state and we will wear you out. <laughs> the free state of Jones is welcoming all comers, but please call ahead. Make an appointment before you uh, you go to visit. Um, Luke, can't thank you enough for the uh, for the work that you're doing and for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Uh, we will text the uh, the link to uh, First Baptist Ellisville uh, so that people can give uh, financially. Uh, and also the uh, the phone number for somebody that wants to come and help. We'll make sure that that information is out there, and uh, we'll continue to spread the word. You uh, you keep, do, keep doing the good work there in, in Jones County, my friend. Well, I appreciate the platform, guys. And, yeah, anybody can reach out to me on social media also, and, uh, you know, I can direct them also. So, man, just thanks for letting me come on and, and talk about everything that's happening. Overwhelmed by the response. Thank you, everyone. Absolutely. That's uh, Luke Johnson from... Super Talk Mississippi and Hattiesburg and Laurel. He's co-host of the Eagle Hour. Fantastic work that uh, Luke and uh, his friends and relatives and colleagues and uh, fellow church members are uh, are going through there. Uh, we will tweet that out from Sports Talk Mississippi, the link to First Baptist Ellisville if you would like to make a financial contribution or uh, you can give them a call at the uh, Jones County Baptist Services uh, number that we'll put in that tweet as well. 601-577-0680 if you would like to be a part of the physical help that's uh, going on as well. One hour in the books, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We will be right back on this Thursday. 
It had one of the most disappointing things of coronavirus and everybody having to stay at home has been the delay of the release of Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) We all have to suffer in some way. Wait, when was that supposed to come out? This summer. Been pushed back to December 23rd. Oh, no. Man. You missed that news? Yes, I did. You've seen the trailer, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like, and of course it's just a trailer, mm-hmm. it looks like they are doing a sequel perfectly. A bunch of nostalgia, a bunch of elements from the old movie, don't really change much, just do the same thing again. It's perfect. And dogfighting in airplanes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Just give me all that. Well, we'll just have to go see it when it comes out. Man, this fall, if Christmas Eve Eve... <laughs> If yeah. things go back to normal soon, this September through December will be the greatest four months in any of our lives as far as like entertainment goes. I don't know that we'll have time for trips to the movies, but uh, <laughs> there may, I, I, it just I, may not well, be. I don't know. Most, you know, Sunday Sunday evening kind of shows or something. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. we'll have football. That's yeah, true. I don't know if I've ever gone to an opening night premiere of a movie. Maybe I have, but I I can't tell you what it. Oh, I do. I can't think of one. Um, I went and saw the rugby movie on its opening night. Invictus. Invictus. Okay. <laughs> the rugby movie. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what he was talking about, though. It's not, not a whole you lot did. of options for rugby movies. I mean, I was about to go like Morgan Freeman, Matt Damon. You know what I'm talking about, the rugby I, knew I just couldn't come up with Invictus. It's a good movie. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. And the reason I went, I mean, I've told you before, you know, had had dinner a few months prior to with Morgan Freeman when he quoted Invictus to us before the movie had actually been named Invictus, saying that that was the working title, and it certainly turned out to be the case. So anyway... That may be the only movie I've ever gone on, like, opening night. Barring my wife saying, absolutely not, we have to do this instead, there's going to be a date night on December 23rd where we're going to watch Top Gun in the theater. Nice. I might be that idiot that's, like, clapping and cheering in the movie. Woo! Don't be that guy. Come on. Don't be him. I saw a video do you, of... Do you clap at the end of movies like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> or what about when the plane lands? No, no. I when the plane lands, I immediately get up out of my seat, no matter where I am on the plane. You're that guy. No, I'm just messing with. Oh, him. I was about to say, I hate that guy. Same. Mm-hmm. Try to trip those people. I did. <laughs> I did see First a video recently of it, it was the video of the the screen from Avengers Endgame, but you could yeah, hear the audience and how they were reacting. And Richard, it was like they were at the Super Bowl. I mean, yelling and cheering and screaming and getting all excited, but I kept thinking, wait, I waited in line, or if I would have been in the theater, I waited in line for hours to watch this movie and to see every detail, and you idiots are screaming and cheering and standing up and clapping while the movie's going on? Like, everybody's, oh, this is so cool. No, it's not cool. Shut up. It's not cool at all. It's the opposite of cool. Shut up and watch the movie. You guys are just a barrel of fun. It's been at the movies. Yeah, I paid money to hear what's going on. I, don't, I didn't pay money to hear you hoop and holler. Dude, they paid money to hoop and holler. 
It's so loud that your ears are ringing when you leave. What do you mean you paid to hear what's going on? It's not like you can't still hear what's going on because some guy in you the back You need to watch goes, that video. You need to, no, no, no. That's not some, just some guy. It's you the need to whole, watch that video. It's the whole, it's the whole thing. It's a, a few hundred people cheering loudly. A few hundred. Uh, however yeah. many can fit in the premier theater that they had it in. Okay. Watch, find the video. We're not making this up. It's crazy. Okay. It would make me so mad if I waited that long and did all that for a movie where people are yelling over. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm with Borky on that. Normally, Borky, you know, is the old man <laughs> shaking his fist at the cloud, but I'll, I'll jump in with him on this one. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line with you on this Thursday afternoon at C Spire. They're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. Couldn't help but chuckle on the text line. Imagine if football gets played this fall and Moorhead and Luke were still the coaches. LOL, no need to tell fans not to attend. (laughs) Keeping them around would have just been galaxy brain social distancing. That's just kind of wrong, I guess. (laughs) Is it wrong, though? Would you be more likely to go to a game in Oxford or in Starkville in, say, October. Let's just say they're playing in October. Whether it starts in September or it starts in October, would you be more likely to go if, as you walked through the gate, and by the way, I don't know if any, if Mississippi State will end up doing this or not. Ole Miss announced yesterday it was going to a completely touchless ticket system. They are going exclusively yeah. to digital tickets. So no more paper tickets to get in. My guess is that's tough on the scalper market, not on the secondary ticket market, oh, but the oh, scalper what a shame market. That those people might suffer. Oh, my heart pumps purple peanut butter for them. Oh, play the play the violin music. The scalpers might have a problem. I hate purple scalpers. Peanut butter. butter. Yeah, those folks got to work for a living too. Work. Sometimes you can get a deal. Sometimes you can make Work. a little money. Work. That's that's rich. Anyway, uh, so Ole Miss is going to that uh, digital ticketing. Anyway, the question I was going to ask, would you be more likely to go to a game as a fan if, as you walked through the gate, you were handed or you were able to grab a mask? Like they distributed them to every single person that came through the gates. You think that would help? It wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt at all. Not everybody's going to wear them, right? But if 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 they if they you know were the problem with it is this. That's what you know sixty thousand masks, four hundred twenty thousand for the home schedule. I mean, I don't know that that that's kind of production is 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 doable for every. I mean, for all these college football teams, but. Well, I'm not worried about all the college football teams. I'm only worried about the teams in the state of Mississippi, and I Fine, think then. we have a company right would, here in help, Mississippi yeah. that can make it happen. What's the well, point then, of the mask if not everyone wears them? Well, some people wear them. I mean, you're, you're bringing down your, your chances of spreading disease by some percentage if half the people wear them. Yeah, and I read about it yesterday. It's um, 
it's like a dual protection. So you're supposed to wear them. The initial recommendation was you wear a mask. So if you have coronavirus and you don't know it, you don't spread it to other people. But there's also an element of if you have a mask on, you are less likely to touch something that may have the virus on it and touch your face because you would be touching the protective layer. And now you could still get it if you wear masks and gloves. It's not 100% foolproof, but it does stop you from touching things and just inadvertently, like I do all the time, just touch my face. It stops you from doing that. So even if somebody else doesn't have it, it still provides you yourself a protective layer and an incentive not to uh, touch things and then immediately touch your face and so on. You could merch them. You could put like players and stuff on them. I, I uh, talked about this on Sunday. I, I was wondering name, image, and likeness coming coming in strong. <laughs> I, okay, I'm, then in co- I was thinking more professional, like college. I guess you put the team logos or whatever the NCAA approves of. I do think that there is an opportunity where where you could. I mean, that could be a, a pretty significant sponsorship thing. I would think that you could put a team logo and a corporate brand on it. Yeah, catch me on Shark Tank with this idea. Mm-hmm. It's possible that our friends at Blue Delta are a step ahead of you already, Rippy. Well, that is uh that is copywriting of my brain. Oh, okay. You sure you're not copywriting their brains? I didn't read their mind, they read mine. Mm-hmm. Uh so anyway, we'll uh I just was curious if that would make a, a difference. Hit us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Will you be more likely to go to a football game if there was a, uh, a mask available for you when you walk through the gates that was distributed on site? Every person that comes through uh, can't mandate people wear them. Not everybody's going to. You fully know going in, but you could potentially protect yourself or protect others from you by wearing a mask in the stands. How much of an effect would that have on noise level at the game? Would it muffle noise significantly? You got you to think it would, right? But I would think it would a little bit. I don't know. Thomas and Greenwood, how would you enjoy your beer in the stadium with a mask on? Not a problem in Starkville. What are those things called problem in your shirt? Dunkaroos? Hey, you wear like a camelback? No, have you seen the guy like you chug the beer through your shirt? Same same concept. Oh. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thursday afternoon. Beautiful Thursday in the Magnolia State, the 16th of April. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. I feel like we have stolen a guest, but I make no apologies. Robert St. John who is a restaurateur extraordinaire and is involved in a whole lot of other things, uh, joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. I know, I know you've been on with JT a million times, Robert. I think you've been on with Rebecca, maybe with Paul. But we are stealing you, and I'm not sure that we're going to give you back. What's up, my friend? <laughs> uh, good to be here today. I've enjoyed the movie talk. We, we can tell uh, there are no sports going on because you're talking movies and you've got a burger flipper on uh, on the line. So. We, uh, I'm, I'm tickled to death to be here. I'll tell you, you, uh, 
anytime uh, you get Brian Haydad to give me a call, uh, my buddy Brian, I'm, I'm happy to happy to fill in and do whatever you need. Well, we, we appreciate that. I want to talk to you a, a little bit about uh, about Extra Table and all that is specifically going mm-hmm. on uh, right now. But before we do that, I need okay. you to share a, a new idea for something on the grill. So it, we're, we're kind of in about a month of this stay-at-home thing. And at least at the Cross House, we've done steaks multiple times, and we've done burgers a bunch, and I've done chicken some different ways. Uh, I think there was a New South Grilling cookbook that I saw on the countertop that my wife used just a couple of nights ago. So give me something new that is not just the same old, same old over and over that uh, would be good on the grill. Well, I'll tell you one thing I've been doing, and I was a – I was a gas grill guy for years and years. When I wrote that book, I think it was 2007, we did the grilling book. Mm-hmm. Um, I used a Viking hook me up with a whole bunch of equipment, and so I just, I kept, you know, it's easy, and I kept using the gas grill. But uh, during this shelter-at-home deal, I've been grilling a lot more, and I went out to use my the gas grill, and it was broken, so I went to Home Depot and bought a Weber. And I'm a huge man. I am a convert and have uh, have loved using that Weber grill. And so first and foremost, I want to say I'm just using whole lump charcoal on a Weber grill. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty basic guy. There, there are some recipes for no-stick grilling marinades that I developed for that book. And if you Google, you can probably just Google Robert St. John no-stick grilling marinade or something like that, and it'll come up. But they are awesome. They're easy to make. And, like, my, my first pitch to my publisher in New York on that book was I wanted to do a, a seafood grilling book. And we grill a lot of seafood down in this part of, of the state. And uh, But the problem is seafood sticks to the grill really, really bad. And this, this no-stick grilling marinade that you can make in your house is really just a simple emulsification you do in a, in a Cuisinart. And you brush like on fish, you just brush it on. And I'm going to tell you, as long as your grates are clean, you'll be chasing that fish across the grill trying to flip it. It's uh, the beauty of it, you know, because things like that, they, you know, they tell you to put oil on it and then season it. Well, what happens if you put the oil on first, then you try to put seasoning, seasoning just runs off. And if you right. put the seasoning on, say, fish or really chicken, anything, and then you add the oil, it's still going to run off. So uh, washes it off, yeah. So I use those no-stick grilling marinades. They're they're real easy to make, and I'm, I'm tell you, usually you can just Google if you Google my name and no-stick grilling marinade, it'll come up. And um, those I would recommend if you, if you can get some good fresh seafood to do that. But I've I've been just grilling steaks. My son uh, is a freshman in college and says he wants to go in the restaurant business. I don't know if he'll still feel that way after after all this crisis. Not the best time to be in the restaurant <laughs> business right now, but um. Yeah. If he still feels that way, then, uh, you know, he's he's been cooking. He and I have been cooking a lot together, and we've had a blast doing that. So, You, well, you know the uh, thing we, that he's, we he's may a have... He's guy. Okay. I, I certainly can't argue with that. I was just going to say, I think that the, the recipe in that book that we've gotten more mileage out of than anything else is the corn and black bean salsa that goes along with the fish. With like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If you do the grilled fish. It's It's spectacular. Yeah, thank you. I think that's the cover uh, cover photograph. I'm happy to. If you want to put it up on the uh, website, we'll uh, once we hang up, I'll uh, email you the recipe, and you can uh, 
I'll get you a digital copy so your uh, listeners can uh, maybe prepare that over the weekend. We will. Uh, we'll absolutely send that out. That'll be. Uh, that'll be cool. Um, talk to me about extra table. Uh, you and I have talked about this uh, in the past. Uh, how did it start? What was the goal? And what's going on right now? Yeah. So extra table is a five hundred one c three nonprofit. I started a little over ten years ago, and it's a very. It's a simple. It's a, it's a charity based on business principles and and what what it is i got a call uh back in 2009 i guess it was from a, a mission pantry here in i'm in hattiesburg called uh, edward street fellowship center and they had completely run out of food they were feeding about 800 families a month at that time and they were panicking they said can you help us and i, and I said sure and i figured the quickest best easiest way to help them would be to call my Cisco rep, you know, Cisco, the food service distributor, put an order together and just have the truck uh, drop ship it to the agency. Well, they did that, and that got me to thinking, well, you know, I bet if there were an easier, simpler way for people to give, that places like this wouldn't run out of food. But to be honest with you, and I'm going to tell them myself a little bit, I was, I was even skeptical that it was a hunger, a hunger problem in Mississippi at all. So I kind of went on a fact-finding mission around the state, <laughs> but it, it didn't take long to learn there is a huge problem. And uh, and so I went to Cisco and I said, I've got an idea. It's based on the premise of what if every home and every business had an extra table where they could feed those in need. This is what I need you to do. I need you to sell me food at rock bottom wholesale. I need you to warehouse it and I need you to deliver it for me. I'll go out and raise the money. And then you, and they said, we're in. They didn't even hesitate. And so it started. And then... There were, I founded Extra Table based on two principles. Number one, 100% of the money we raise, not 99%, 100% for food goes to purchase food. And number two, it's going to be healthy food, because that's one thing I saw when I was traveling around that, on that initial visit. There's a lot of unhealthy food. Um, yeah. and, and so Mississippi was, we're not number one anymore. We were number one in, in food insecurity and number one in obesity, but you know, I had a problem with that, too. And I'm like, well, somebody's eating something somewhere, you know. But what I learned quickly is those two always go hand in hand because if you don't have enough money to live on a proper diet, you're basically living out of a convenience store and living on, you know, the cheapest sugar drinks and snack foods. And that's like a real thing. And so all of I think we lost Robert. We will uh, get him connected uh, in just a second. Yeah, one of the things that I like about Extra Table is that what Robert was talking about a second ago, the the 100% guarantee. So if you want to find a charity, whether you're talking about a food charity or uh, a children's hospital charity or whatever, where 100% of the donated proceeds go to that specific cause, you're going to be looking a really long time because everybody's got administrative costs. But what they've done with Extra Table is said the the foundation, the, the board through a couple of fundraisers and through some private donations will take care of 100% of the administrative costs. And so that doesn't factor into the equation. equation. So if you make a gift of $100 or you make a gift of $250, you are buying food. You're not paying somebody's salary. You are not, uh, you know helping rent a boardroom for a meeting when the executive board comes together for an annual deal, 
when you make a donation of $100 or $250 or $500, you're, you're buying meat and cheese and lettuce and vegetables. I, I think I'm getting that right, aren't I, Robert? Yeah, I, we cut out, and I'm not sure where I cut out, man. I was just rolling <laughs> along there. <laughs> not sure what happened. Uh, hey, I do want to ask you real quick before we get up against it. Have you got time to hang with us for one more segment? $500 fill up a cart. We can take that same $500 and fill up two shopping carts. Servicing uh, over 40 agencies right now. We're shipping more than 14 tons of food all over the state. Uh, but during this crisis right now, it's, uh, you know, so many people are out of work. All of these agencies are, are way uh, busy right now and just, they're up, you know, 20, 30, 40%. And so we've, we've kicked it in extra gear during this, during this, you know, period to try to get food to people who need it. It's just sorely needed. And, and Robert, well, hey, have you got time to hang with us through the break and let's talk a little oh, bit more about how people yeah. can help? Absolutely. I've got all the time you need to talk about this. All right, let, let's do that. Let's take a quick time out. It's Sports Talk okay. Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm on Super Talk Mississippi. We're visiting with Robert St. John. He is a, a fantastic chef. He is an author. He is a speaker. He is a restaurant owner, uh, and he is also the founder of Extra Table. We'll tell you a little bit more about Extra Table and tell you how you can help when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Robert St. John on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll be right back. All right, back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. As promised, more with Robert St. John right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. And by the way, he texted me during the break this uh, recipe that we were talking about a second ago for grouper uh, on the grill with uh, black bean, corn, and tomato salsa. It is outstanding. That is a staple in our house, especially in the summer. And uh, we will get that uh, that recipe up for you so that uh, maybe you can try it over the weekend. So, Robert, before the break, and I appreciate you you hanging on with us, we were talking about Extra Table, uh, the fact that you discovered when you went on kind of a fact-finding mission that uh, there indeed is a hunger issue in the state of Mississippi. Extra Table has done a lot of work uh, to, to try and eradicate that hunger issue. I know that's an ongoing process let's talk specifically though about where we are right now because not only uh, are we dealing with COVID-19 and hopefully that's on the downside or at least we're moving in the the direction uh, of being to a positive place but we also had the impact of the tornadoes that came through South Mississippi on Sunday afternoon how taxed are the food banks that you're dealing with right now they're overtaxed. Uh, they're busier than they've ever been. And and I was just, you know, I'm going to tell them myself, before I got into this, I was, you know, I was pretty cynical that there was even a hunger problem at all. I thought, you know, this is America. I, I get some third world country maybe having hunger issues, but, you know, I was very cynical about it. I learned quickly there. I mean, it's real. But, and it's not, you know, you hear the stories about people getting over on food stamps and things like that. And, you know, taking advantage, and and maybe that's there, but I'm gonna tell you, it's two or three percent. What you, what I see when I go to these, it's single moms who are holding down two jobs, who are trying to make ends meet, and and it's kids. I'm gonna tell you, Mississippi, it's almost one in five kids have a school breakfast and a school lunch, and then don't eat again until the next day. It's 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 crazy. It's a real thing. You got seniors who are right now trying to figure out, can I pay the light bill or can I go to the grocery store? 
And so yeah. it's stories like that, that that really affected me early on and got me involved in this. And so now, with everybody out of work, uh, not you know, so many people out of work, uh, these places are just overrun with uh, people who need help making ends meet. Whether it's a, we deal with both. We send food to mission pantries, which is where someone goes and gets a box or a bag of food to kind of help make ends meet. We also send food to soup kitchens. Which, uh, which feed on premise and they also do meals on wheels. And all the way from the coast, all the way up into the Delta and, uh, to the Hill Country. I mean, we're, we cover all of the state, but you're right about the, well, about I- the tornadoes. The tornadoes, uh, we're, we're actually going out during times like this. We kind of, uh, we have a very defined mission and we raise money. We use a hundred percent of that money to purchase healthy food and we get it delivered to agencies. But, but during times like this, and uh, they've happened with a couple of other tornadoes or disasters. We kind of mobilize and do everything we can. So we went to the coast, cleaned out three casinos of all their food, took it to food pantries. Uh, after this tornado, uh, we're about to set up out in Soso, Mississippi, I believe tomorrow. And we're just going to cook for the people out there working and, and people who, you know, have lost their home or electricity or, or whatever it may be. So, you know, we kind of uh, expand the mission during times like this. Well, that's that's fantastic. We were talking with Luke Johnson, who uh, hosts the Eagle Hour there in uh, in Hattiesburg and Laurel uh, a little while ago about some of the work that's happening there in Jones County, specifically in uh, in Soso and um sounds like those communities and and the surrounding communities are coming together in an unbelievable way to to help each other get through a difficult time so uh, certainly applaud the efforts on that front you know richard that is mississippi and and when we saw it after i was too young for camille i was about eight but after katrina i mean you saw that people came together and just uh, in time of crisis, Mississippians kind of step up to the plate. You know, we all know the statistics of where, you know, per capita, uh, you know, we're the most charitable state. And that, that comes through in times like this as well. It's not just giving during the year. When, when something like this happens, you know, neighbors get out and cut through. I talked to a friend of mine the other day who, you know, it's two miles wide, this swath from this tornado over at Monticello. And uh, he went to check on his mom and, and talked about how, you know, a group of neighbors, it was a long country road and just trees were down like pickup sticks, big pine trees. You know, because the southern yellow pine, the taproot's not going to hold up to those kind of winds. And uh, all the neighbors were out cutting, cutting down probably a, a half a mile of road to get to these people's house. And that's just what people do. Nobody asked them to do it. They just do that. And, and then we've seen the same with Extra Table people give and anybody listening right now who's interested in helping out go to extratable.org what you what you need to know is again 100 percent of the money you give for food will go to purchase food it's not going to go for salaries or any kind of administration or travel or anything we, we raise that money separately that's one of the founding principles i founded this thing out so when we raise money for food we use every bit of that money for food and we purchase wholesale and in bulk and so you know it goes the dollar stretches a lot farther. Yeah. Uh, again, that website is extratable.org. You can t- uh, click on the link at the top where it says Give Now. Uh, you can immediately give a, a donation. And if you need more information, you can uh, you can contact um, either Robert or uh, some of his staff that uh, that is there at Extra Table. 
and kind of get a little more information about it. And if you want to set something up where you're giving monthly or you're making an annual donation, they absolutely will work with you on that front. Robert, you said something a second ago that I want to circle back to so it doesn't gloss over. You know, sometimes when you give money to, to charitable organizations, you don't know exactly where it's going. We established that it's, you know, 100% of it goes to buy food, but it also goes to buy food for Mississippians, period. That's right. And it goes in the neighborhood. So when we do something on the coast and raise money on the coast, that money stays on the coast. Likewise, at Tupelo or Jackson or Clarksdale, uh, Hattiesburg, Laurel, you know, our, we have food pantries all over the state that we supply. And uh, when unless somebody uh, designates it for, you know, it just wherever you send it where it's needed, then we, you know, we keep it in that area. And 100% stays in Mississippi. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, we're a Mississippi nonprofit, and, and we, you know, we're here to take care of our own. And, and people have really stepped up to the plate uh, over the years, and it's, it's been a great thing. It's, a, it's something that, you know, I'm a guy who, who feeds people filet mignon for a living, but, uh, but you know, mm-hmm. I got to a point 10 years ago when this thing was, do I want to be the guy that feeds people filet mignon, or do I want to be the guy that feeds people canned tuna? And it's a real easy question to answer every time because it's canned tuna wins out. There's there's so much need out there. Let's finish this on a uh, on a fun note. You, you you gave us a uh, a recipe out of the gate. Give me right. one more idea for uh, for folks that are at home. Looks like it's going to be at least a couple of weeks. Whether it's something in the kitchen or on the grill, that's kind of one of one of your go tos, one of your favorites. That uh, maybe is something different than uh, than what we've been doing for the last few weeks. You know what I do? I did, and and you you put me on the spot. My automatic answer for that is pretty easy, but but I'm not. It's a it's a recipe that I do, and I'm about to cook it this weekend. It's baked shrimp and squash. It's really really good, and and you get some little baby squash and shrimp, and it's got a sauce with it. Um, not much of a grilling tip or anything, but I'm I'm happy to send you that recipe too. It is killer. It's awesome. Uh, grilling wise, you know, the main thing is, you know, there, there are several just tips and I'm, I'm probably talking to your audience who are probably way better at grilling stuff than I am. But, you know, you gotta, what I've been teaching my son is we've been grilling together over the last few weeks. You know, you gotta keep that grill clean. Um, hot heat doesn't mean fire. You know, you, flames are, are heat. And uh, he needs to learn the difference between direct heat and non-direct heat. And uh, you got to keep those grilled grates cleaned. And uh, I never, ever, ever use anything with artificial fuel, whether it's those little uh, briquettes with the fuel already in them. Or, you know, I, I use whole lump charcoal and a, and a, and a chimney starter. It's pretty, I, I pretty think... basic and simple on a, on a basic old Weber grill, and it, and it tastes great. I think my wife is going to be pleased that that you keep beating the drum for cleaning the grates because I've never been one to uh, spend a whole lot of time. Like if there's a lot of buildup, I'll hit them with the wire brush quickly. But I've never yeah. been one that's like, oh, you know what? No, I've I've kind of uh, like subscribed to the theory that there's flavor in there. I, yeah. I, I think you're telling me otherwise. You know, the key to doing that too is after you've grilled, don't you know your meat needs to rest anyway for a few minutes. While your meat's resting, go back out. And uh, they make several, I think Weber even makes one, uh, where you can spray it on the grill and go ahead while it's hot. 
and scrub that thing uh, before it cools down, and you're good to go next time. So I make sure and do mine every time I grill. I go ahead and clean those grapes uh, instantly. Uh, there and then you go. go back inside, and the, and, the, and the meat's ready to eat. See, I learned something today. And hopefully you did as well. Hopefully one of the things that you learned is that you can make a donation to Extra Table by going to their website, extratable.org. There's a big orange button right there at the top that says Give Now. You can click on that. You can make a donation, and you can rest assured that uh, the money you donate is going to buy food, not pay a salary or anything else, but to buy food for people in Mississippi who are hungry. Robert, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Hope you and your family stay well, and uh, look forward to visiting with you again soon. Richard, thanks, my friend. Y'all, uh, y'all hang in there. We're going to get through this. We just need to live in the solution. Absolutely. That's Robert St. John on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Are you hungry yet? That do anything for you, Haydad? Anytime I can talk to Robert St. John about food, I'm, I'm in for that. So, Yes. I'm telling you, you uh, when, when this is all done, when, when we're back, like you can go wherever you want, I may just get in the car and drive a few hours down to Hattiesburg and eat at one of his restaurants. Well, you could do that, or you could uh, take some of the advice that he just gave us on a, a couple of recipes and try them out at home this weekend. Oh, I've done that. My, my, I've done that many times. I have. I'm a. Uh, I own all of his cookbooks. So yeah. So you you've got the new South Grilling cookbook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not grilling favorite. this week though. I'm not grilling. Cooking inside this week. What are you cooking this weekend? You already got a plan? I went by uh, went by one of my sponsors on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, my friends at Welcome Home Beef, and I got a big four pound beef short rib going there. Ooh. We're gonna we're gonna braise that with some uh, some bacon and onions, do a little rice, but not on the grill, muscle. not a slow cook on the grill with that. Nah, because I don't I don't have the I don't have a grill that could handle that. I want to braise this so I can get some 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 gravy out of it too. So. Make it good and healthy, right? Yeah, exactly. So. There you go. Uh, coming up in the next break, I will uh, I'll put the recipe uh, on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed that uh, Robert gave you for grouper with corn, black bean, and tomato salsa. It is outstanding. I promise you. Tested multiple times and approved uh, from the Cross household. Rippy, what are you going to cook this weekend? I don't know. I hadn't gotten that far yet. I might grill tonight, honestly. What uh, what would be going on the grill tonight? We'll have to look and see what's left in the fridge. I got you. Borky, you, uh, you struck out on grilling last weekend, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Because um, the, the weather came through, just couldn't do anything on the smoker. But I'm uh, going to do a Boston butt this weekend. Ooh, barbecue at Borky's house yeah man I've got a, a pole saw my uh, my father-in-law owns a pole saw so I don't have to go rent them anymore the good kind and I've got a ton more trees that I need to, to get rid of and so I'm gonna uh, smoke a Boston butt while just destroying the trees in my backyard it'll be a nice little Saturday are you trying to like create a prairie in Madison? I feel like all you do is cut down trees. Yeah, what well, else is there left to do? You're it, smoking and destroying trees. What is- you um, you should. Well, my backyard's pretty big. Uh, it's it's really big for what I'm used to anyway. And uh, like I've said before, 
probably driving range. 15 years at least of complete neglect. And there are probably 20 in my yard front and back full-grown trees of some kind. I've got three pines that I can't wrap my arms around in the back. I mean, huge, huge pine trees. And there's just so much overgrowth, and I'm trying to shape them and make them look normal. And I'm, I mean, getting rid of most of them because they don't make any sense. It's just they haven't been touched in so long. So it's a slow process because I just don't have a chainsaw or a, I'm not, I'm not going to pay somebody to come pick them up. So I'm just doing it like one weekend at a time to where I can put them on the curb and the city will come take it from me. And I like doing it. So I've spaced it out a little bit more. Borky's going to be like those people on Yellowstone riding the little horse around in his backyard to the east side of the plantation or property. <laughs> I've, I've measured out my yard uh, for, for chipping purposes. Uh, so at the, its longest point, it's 45 yards. Is that corner to corner? It's corner to corner in the back, yeah. It, it's, not very, it's not very wide. It's, it's more length than width. It's like 35 yards across and 45 diagonal. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty significant backyard, and there's just you know what so they call much. golf courses with no trees. <laughs> I've still got trees, man. Trust me, I'm keeping a, a good bit of them. Just not. I've seen not your backyard. You've been cutting trees for a year now. There can't be anything left. I'll send you some pictures. You, you'll be blown away at because you saw it right after I started. So you got to see the worst of it. It looks so much better now, but I'm not done. My biggest problem is, and if you're out there listening and you have an answer, there are, I've probably got 50 or 60 uh, little stumps. And they're not big enough to go get a stump grinder out, and they're all right next to each other. Like I said, the yard's been neglected forever. I've got like a crepe myrtle stump next to like a little oak stump. I mean, they're all in the same place. So do I have to like drill a hole and pour pesticide down each stump? or, Or how do I get rid of all this crap? Because I want to make beds with azaleas and stuff, but I can't because it's just three foot off the ground little tree stumps, like by the dozens all next to each other in these beds. And I want to get rid of them all, but I don't know how. If you cut down more trees, aren't you going to have more stumps? Yeah, but I need to figure out how to kill the stumps too, or get rid of them. You don't need to kill them. You need to go to a, a local store that will rent you a small mini excavator and dig them up. You don't like that idea? I just don't know if it'll it'll work. I'll explain later. Sports Talk Mississippi. He'll explain later. We'll be back. You can subscribe to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Just search Super Talk, excuse me, Sports Talk Mississippi to get the latest Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on your device anywhere, anytime. And while you're there, you can subscribe to Thunder and Lightning. That's hosted by Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Or the Rebel Report, which is Michael Borky and Brian Scott Rippey. And, of course, you can get the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast there as well, wherever you get your podcast. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday. Thanks for being with us. 
C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. It's time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to Buy Ford now to find out about the great deals that are going on at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. And don't forget that the service centers are open. And that's one thing you don't have to worry about right now. Let your local Mississippi Ford dealer worry about any issues that you've got for you. Some dealerships even have convenient drop-off and pickup available if that's what you need. Contact your local Mississippi Ford dealer for more details. You guys see the uh, news out of Southern Cal this afternoon? Hey, Finally there came it is. unstuck, by the way. There it is. There's the music. We don't mind the delay. I had to find it on YouTube because the button wasn't working for me. A statement from the USC Athletics official Twitter account from Clay Helton. We have been working with JT Daniels and his family, as well as our compliance office, to help him navigate the process of entering his name in the transfer portal. It is his desire to explore all of his options going into the 2020 season. We will continue to support JT in every way possible and help him through his decision, including the option of staying on with our football team. JT is a terrific person, student player, and valued member of our football family. So that was the statement from USC, a statement also from JT Daniels on, oh, I guess Twitter. He says, I love this university coaching staff and team. To me, it is in my best interest to explore all my options going into the 2020 season. I will remain in contact with the coaching staff through the process. USC remains one of my options, and that door has remained open for me. Fight on. Is that a little weird? Yes. Yes. Is it, though? Well, if you're going to transfer, why would you leave the school you want to transfer from as one of your options and talk about how much you love it? Because you may find that you don't have many other suitors? Well, I mean, this kid... What happens if he dips his toe in the water and nobody wants him, and so he's not burning a bridge at his current place to open up a door to come back if he doesn't get the right opportunity elsewhere? That's fair, but this kid was one of the, what, youngest starters in the FPS? He's like 18-year-old starting quarterback at USC. There have been plenty of players with much, I guess, less of a caliber that do the normal transfer thing and just do respect my decision and all that and not leave the school they're leaving from on the table. I don't think he would have no suitors if he wanted to leave. Well, he's got a, I think he'll have plenty of suitors. He's got a Southern Cal in the country. tattoo on his arm, so maybe he's just... He loves the Ruben school, Fa- but realizes... Ruben Foster has an Auburn tattoo on his arm where he goes to school. <laughs> I think he got it covered up. But there yeah. was probably a little Real bit tight. more to that decision uh, than than that. That was a recruiting deal. But, I mean, yeah, he has all the pedigree in the world. Maybe he just loves USC, but realizes that Slovis is going to start over him, and so he wants to try to go somewhere else. But if it doesn't happen, he'll go back to the school that he's loved since he was a child. It's from Irvine, California. Played as a freshman, had a pretty good freshman season. 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Was off to a really good start before the injury last year that knocked him out for the remainder of the season. Keaton Slovis ended up playing well, and I guess 
is expected to be the starter. I mean, I, I thought the statement that you got from Southern Cal was about as classy, and I know it's overused, and sometimes people are like, ah, classy, whatever. I mean, I mean, that was well done by Clay Hilton and USC Athletics for putting out what they put out. It sounds like JT Daniels is a little confused as well. Like he's. Well, I think Borky met- nailed it. He seems unconfident, right? Maybe so. I mean, that's along the same lines as confusion. Like, uncertain, doesn't feel like he might win the job. I don't know. But agree on the statement. That's why Clay Helton yeah. remains the most popular man at USC. <laughs> it's, you know, it's got to be tough. This is, like you said, lifelong fan. You think you're going there to, 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 for your, your, this is your dream. And now it's taken away from you. I understand. And we're the star, yeah. you were the starter as a true freshman. Yeah. You got, you got Wally pipped, basically. Yeah. And, but, so now, Jay Patterson. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, bringing in the more modern. And, and already somebody, I saw, just saw a tweet about, they're saying he should go to Michigan and Michigan fans are like, what happened the last time this happened? So you remember when all of Michigan Twitter had the Colonel Reb, but it was, uh, edited for, Michigan colors and had old Mish instead of old Miss next to it. That was fun. I don't remember that. Between that and the the hardball going to the IHOP, weird couple. That was a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Have you that ever was. been to that IHOP, Richard? How long have you lived here? I have lived in Oxford for thirty, almost two years. First half of your life, IHOP, that, the IHOP has not been there that long. I think I've been once. Okay, I think may, I may have one. tried to go a second time and had to wait an inordinately. Sorry, I'm not going to. Yes, I think I've been once. I think I've been one time as well. I mean, I'm not like knocking it. It's just like out of all the places to go, you just never think of that. Yeah, maybe it was part the of the point, deal. Though. Is my wife that you'd be seen class. at the IHOP if you'd gone to Big Bad Breakfast? Everybody would be like, "Oh my God, that's Jim Harbaugh." Yeah. My wife makes world class pancakes, also. So does she now? Yeah, she does. Usually with blueberries in them. <laughs> I tell you, you had my curiosity. Now, now you have my attention. Um, my daughter, Ava Montgomery, who will be ten in less than a month. Whew, that's going by fast. Uh, <laughs> is she's turning into a regular little Betty Crocker around the house? Really? Yeah. My my, my daughter, who is ten, is doing the same. She started to de- de- develop a-, a love of baking. Yep, that- that's where we are. Um, nice. I had to run yesterday morning. I had to run to Memphis. Uh, I had to go pick some stuff up. and So I left the house really, really early and sent Jane a text at yeah, 7.30 or something like that. And She's like, so I woke up to freshly made waffles by your daughter this morning. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, she woke up before everybody got up and made waffles. I was like, okay then. She made I got the show waffles? last night. Yeah. That's that's a difficult thing to do. To make waffles? Yeah, waffles is not the easiest thing. Much you easier just to make mix French up the batter and then put it in the waffle iron. It's it's more difficult to make waffles than it is to make pancakes or French toast. 
Hey, don't simplify your kids' accomplishments. I, know, what I had mean? microwave. I had microwave biscuits this morning on the way to the saying, golf like, course. I'm trying, I'm trying I popped them in for up. 45 seconds. You go. That was being, easy. Just pop the Eggo in the toaster. You, know? <laughs> you go from being so proud of your kid to oh, she didn't do anything. No, I wasn't trying to belittle that. I was just trying to figure out the whole. It's so di- no, but like yesterday, I got off the show, and this is one of the advantages of you know being in the home office. Uh, go downstairs, and she is pulling warm yellow cake cupcakes out of the oven is putting chocolate icing on them. I'm like, uh, yes, I don't know who you are, but I am in, sweetheart. I am in. Emily made, uh, she made cookies, but they were made out of brownie batter with caramel chips in them the other day. Yum. They were fantastic. Yum. Did you try some, hey, Dad? Some. The rest of the family I feel was like, like we've we got one? the real hey dad back. Are you back to eating more than one meal a day, by the way? Yeah. I mean, because I'm at home and everybody's there, and I just, I feels, it feels weird seeing everybody else eat lunch and eat breakfast, and I'm just sort of sitting there. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm eating decent stuff, though. It's not, you know. Yeah. Good I for you. Eating a whole I think that's healthier, which I've said all along, be. and you said know. basically mind your own business. <laughs> I mean, Joe Moorhead ate one meal a day. Look what happened to him, hey dad. <laughs> He lost a lot of weight, though. Yeah. It's not all he lost. Uh, ah, geez. What a super guy, though. Yeah. Oh, listen to you. Rippy's going to do a you. fake dog pee after this year's Egg Bowl, and Haydad's going to get fired. <laughs> uh, Might not be fake. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike in Oxford asked a legitimate question. He says, how are waffles more difficult than pancakes? I, I don't are. know. It, hey, Dad says they are. I mean, see, with waffle, with pancakes, you got to make sure that your pan stays just the right temperature. Waffles just I get have the a griddle. waffle iron going. I have a griddle. Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Josh West joins us right now. He and Nick Weaver in 2011 founded a, at the time, small company making custom blue jeans. And it has absolutely exploded as a business, but that business has primarily or largely been put on hold. Josh, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. I'm really, really fascinated by this particular story about what you guys have kind of transitioned to as a company. But before we go down that road, there are people that are still out there that don't necessarily know the Blue Delta story. So if you don't mind... Give us kind of the elevator uh, elevator pitch of, of what you guys are as a company and how it became to be originally. Yeah, sure. Glad to do that. Thanks for thanks for having me. So Blue Delta Jeans started in 2012. We're a bespoke jean company. We make everything here in Mississippi and ship all around the world. So bespoke is just a fancy word for custom, and we're um, very custom. Um, jeans are sometimes hard to find to, that fit, and so we filled a niche market. Um, making custom jeans, you choose your fabric, you choose your thread colors, um, you choose the look and style of your jean, and then we take 16 measurements, draft you a personal pattern with our in-house design team, and then make you a bespoke jean. 
So we started that business model in 2012 um, and have grown um, here in Tupelo. Uh, we have uh, over 600 wholesale partners across the U.S., Canada, Europe. Um, and um, up until a few weeks ago, we were making uh, a lot of jeans and shipping a lot of jeans, and, and COVID-19 has changed our direction a little bit as it has for everyone else. So that's the story to date in a nutshell. All right, so a blue jean company, completely custom, and they're fantastic. I, I will ask you the question that I, I know people ask you all the time. What do you mean you don't wash them? You tell people don't wash your jeans. Uh, is that a serious thing? Do you really tell people don't wash your jeans? We, we absolutely do. Washing denim is, is not a good thing. And you'll hear about anyone that knows about premium raw denim will tell you that. Uh, now, some of the stuff you're buying off the rack, obviously you throw it, throw it in the washing machine. But think about those really nice uh, pair of, of shoes that you have, maybe some leather shoes. You clean those differently then you clean your tennis shoes. And so this is a really nice premium custom uh, pair of raw denim. And so you, uh, we, we tell people to dry clean them only. You can Google cleaning raw denim and, and go into a black hole of, of methods <laughs> and ways of cleaning. I mean, there's, a, there's people that wash them in the ocean, get in the bathtub with them. And there's some people that just don't clean them. I don't recommend that. Uh, but, um, the, the thing about our denim is because a lot of people have to wash and dry their, their jeans to get them to fit right again, to get them to shrink back to fit. After you wear them a couple of days, they're falling off of it. Well, our denim is premium denim, and so it's got almost a 98% recovery. And so you can literally wear them day after day after day. Clean them when they get dirty. Clean them when you, like you clean your suits. Take them to the dry cleaners two or three times a year. That's really all you really need to do with, with premium jeans. Yeah, you say you don't recommend ever, you know, not cleaning them, but Weaver's kind of nasty, and he probably never washes his. Weaver or never cleans them. We know he doesn't wash them. He never cleans them. He, he, yeah, he, he's an exception to the rule, but if you know him, he's kind of an exception in many areas, so we just kind of let him go with it. You know, we we call Nick Elvis. We just get him to the show and let him perform, then get him out of there as soon as possible. So um, he he is uh, he's the dental master, though, and he has some really nice fades and wears on his jeans, and uh, and he doesn't. They're they're tough. I mean, he he lives life in them, does his, his work, and works outside in them, and puts them on the next day, and it just kind of speaks to the the type of jean. We have guys that are wearing them with sports jackets to the to the office every day. And guys like Nick who are wearing them every day, traveling, moving around, not having to clean them. It's it's the toughest, most low-maintenance thing you'll have in your closet. All right, so that's the jean story. And you're a jean company, a Mississippi-based jean company that's shipping pants, blue jeans, all over the world. But right now, you're really not making blue jeans. You have become a mask company. Tell me more. Yeah, so this happened... Pretty quickly, um, we're so closely tied with sports and entertainment. As you know, we do a lot of events around the country with sports. Um, I was at TPC Sawgrass when this COVID-19 kind of started taking shape in the U.S. They sent us, you know, huge crowds, huge sales on two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They sent us and the players home on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that with our close uh, – our a close relation to event sales. I mean, if you follow us on Instagram or know much about us, we we fly all around the country every week doing events for jeans. And so if you can't gather a lot of people together, 
You're not having sporting events with a Ryder Cup game for 2020. We don't know if we're having a Ryder Cup. So things are starting to turn um, down, and, and it's uncertain economic times for everyone. And so we wanted to keep our people employed. We wanted to do something that could help. And um, and luckily, we're a sewing company. And so we just started playing around with some ideas. What can we make? You know, masks, gowns seem to be um, in short supply. So we pulled in uh, Mississippi State. We pulled in a couple of, of doctors and um, and scientists from across the state of Mississippi to do some testing for us. And uh, and we're able to come up with a, a, a really good um, substitute mask um, to really help the uh, the people of Mississippi get uh, some of the supplies they need. I mean, we're just um, a, a small um, dent in the demand, but um, we, we quickly pivoted to making um, you know, mass for uh, the population of Mississippi, and, and we're making about 12000 a day right now out of our gene factory. 12000 a day. How many masks total are we talking about, either since you started or in terms of where you're headed with this whole mask production? You know, who knows when the supply is going to turn off um, or this demand is going to turn off, rather, and the supply opens back up. Um, <clears throat> we don't have a lot of, of data, but you know, we know we have orders for for close to a million masks. I think before Whoa. it's over with, before we're fully uh, before we're fully back to making jeans full time again, I think we can make two or three million masks. Two or three million? I do. It is the demand is is just ridiculous out there, and and it's not just us making it. We have. Uh, and you know Mississippi, we have a lot of manufacturers around around us, so we've pulled in a lot of partners that are helping us make. We're making 12000 out of our shop, but we have Style Line Furniture. We have uh, the Mississippi Prison Industries that have a sewing facility that are helping us make product, and so they're helping us add to that to that number that we're trying to meet. Josh West from Blue Delta Jeans on your radio. They have transitioned from being a jean company to, at least for a little while, being a mask-making company. Obviously, there's been a huge need for uh, protective masks for uh, healthcare workers, but not just healthcare workers, for the general population with the recommendations for people to wear masks. So how are you guys figuring out where these need to go? Well, luckily, we're working closely with the state of Mississippi. They have been a huge help. MDA, the governor's office. Uh, and MEMA have been a huge help from the beginning. Um, and so right now, uh, over 95% of what we're making is staying in the state, and Mississippi Emergency Management is taking most of our supply and it, distributing it to the right places, which we could really never do because we, we're getting calls from all over the country needing masks. And we really want to keep as much as we can in the state and make sure it gets the right people. And what we're making is more of a downstream mask, a waiting room mask, a mask for the people that are working outside with COVID. But what it's doing is allowing some of those more acute N95 type masks to get to the healthcare workers that need them inside the hospitals in ERs. It's really cool. So is this something that you think as a company you guys will continue to do, or is this crisis subside, you'll back away from this and get back to all genes all the time? Man, I'm so ready to make some jeans again. Uh, I never <laughs> wanted to be in the mass business. Um, I will say, though, uh, I think that um, there, there will be some more opportunities for more manu uh, American manufacturing in the future. I think uh, 
we got caught a little flat-footed um, with so much supply coming from overseas. And so who knows what else we'll be sowing. But I tell you what, for the uh, for, for my take, I'm ready to make uh, bespoke denim as soon as possible. Well, I certainly under that. So, so have you guys completely stopped on the gene making side of things, or do you still are you using a, a part of your factory to do that and part to to make the masks? No, we we have about a twenty five percent line for jeans. I mean, we still have orders coming in. We have just an incredible customer base, as you know, of loyal people that that are wanting to help, that are that are wanting to continue to buy jeans. And then we have, you know, over six hundred wholesale accounts across the country that we yeah. we have to su- keep supplied so that that business will be there in the future. So definitely, sales are down. But we're still running a twenty five percent line to make sure the sales that are coming in are getting satisfied. And um, and hopefully, as we see um, this crisis slow down, we can slowly bleed that mass line back into a gene line. Um, it may not work out that nicely for us, but but right now that's what we're trying to do: is slowly pull our people back off from making masks to to making genes. To hopefully we get from twenty five percent genes back to seventy five percent genes, twenty five percent mask uh, soon. <laughs> Josh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing part of your story and uh, look forward to visiting with you soon, my friend. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks to Josh West from Blue Delta Jeans for joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. I mentioned it earlier today, but uh, and really encouraging. You know, insurance is one of those things where if you don't ever need it, you look around and you go, man, I wish I didn't have to spend that money. But when you get to that point when, unfortunately, you do need it, you, you need to make a claim, you're so grateful for it. And with some insurance companies... It's like they're mad when they have to pay out a claim. It's like, well, no. Well, hold on a second. There's a reason that that I use you. There's a reason that I've built a relationship. It's not like that with Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you're dealing with loss, if you've had damage to your home or to one of your vehicles during um, bad weather, there's a really good chance that your Farm Bureau agent is going to reach out to you before even you reach out to them because they're invested in their communities, they're invested in you as uh, as a customer, but there's a relationship there as well. And they're not mad about filling a claim. They understand that they are there to help you, and they want to help you. And I've seen some of uh, the pictures that Farm Bureau is putting out with their Uh, agents and adjusters who were immediately out in South Mississippi, who were immediately out in East Central Mississippi, who were immediately, even uh, as soon as Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, to begin damage assessment and to begin uh, what should be the most rewarding part of their job, which is getting you the money that you need based on the insurance policy that you've got to start rebuilding your life or repairing your home or uh, replacing an automobile. That's why we call them the home team, and that's why we are proud to have Mississippi Farm Bureau as a partner. Uh, They've been a partner with this program for a very, very long time, and uh, we're certainly thankful for that relationship. 
Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Great uh, story with uh, with Josh from Blue Delta. How about that? He said they were going to be close to 3 million masks made when it was all said and done. That is a lot of PPE. Personal protective equipment. Yes. Do you guys know what PPE was before this all started? No idea uh, no. until now. No. No, if you had said PPE, I would not have known what that was. Yeah, but I mean, you've heard that, you know, like the, the president or the governor, everybody talking about PPE, PPE, PPE. Yeah, I know what it is now. Right, yeah. yeah. And Prior uh, to. seems like we're going to need it. So the um, guidelines for opening up America again uh, have been released, and I've only read a couple pages. It's not all that long, but they have mentioned multiple times already that if you're going to be in public after your state meets the certain guidelines to start like lifting these orders and stuff is yep. wearing protective masks. So, hmm. If that's the price that we've got to pay to get back to functioning as a society, let's get some masks. Blue Delta's making three million of them. Let's roll. I mean, I'm not super fired up about putting a mask on every time I leave my house or every time I go out in public, but... If that's what we got to do to do it, then let's get it. Who's the first professional or college, whatever, uh, team to sell officially licensed face masks? You can get the face mask from the Ohio State University. <laughs> I'll say UFC. This is the. UFC is a good one. It's a wild card answer. Yeah, you say UFC, like the fighting? That is correct. I thought we were talking about Not football. the national okay, champs. Okay. <laughs> that was two well, years will they ago, have... repeat. Live in the present. Will, will they have to wear them on uh, Fight Island? <laughs> Look, knock him all you want. How wild would a bunch of UFC cards be on a private island? Oh, it would be awesome. There's no sanctions at that point, right? They could just they could fight to the death. Yeah, it's all international waters. They can't prosecute. <laughs> Um, it's one of my favorite scenes. Man. I love that movie. I don't think Richard knew that was a movie. Yeah, sorry. My bad. I can't. Are wait you to laughing watch at the scene, delay. or are you now laughing at me for missing a reference? <laughs> no, no, no. The scene, the scene, and then the, the noise scene. Haydad made is part of the scene. <laughs> like Kobayashi. Borky, you told me this is a fascinating story, and I agree with you. And. We're kind of in the time of talking about how things are going to change. Well, college basketball, professional basketball, perhaps step one, first couple of steps anyway, in significant change for elite high school prospects and the G League making it not just possible but appealing to step away from the idea of playing college basketball. California high school basketball star Jalen Green, who is the number one prospect in the ESPN 100 for 2020, is making the leap, uh, leap to a reshaped NBA professional pathway program. I don't even know that I had heard of this. We've heard of the G League kind of creating opportunities for kids to go that don't want to go to college. A G League initiative that is going to pay elite prospects potentially more than $500,000 and provide a one-year development program that is outside of the minor league's traditional team structure. 
we talked about this briefly a long time ago. It was just something that we, we said in passing. Um, Adam Silver and the commissioner of the G League, whose name is escaping me at the moment, um, they're getting impatient with the Players Association in it's the Sharif effort. Abdul Rahim. There it is. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, eliminating the one and done. So the one and done common misconception is not an NCAA rule. The NBA right. says you have to be one year removed from high school to enter the draft. Adam Silver's getting impatient with the Players Association in those negotiations. So he and Richard, his name? Sharif Abdul-Rahim. He was a really Adam, good player. Adam Silver and, and that guy uh, are impatient, and so they've formed this additional G League team to, in a way, eliminate the one-and-done without having to deal with the Players Association. They're, they're also impatient, the gap, but right? they're also tired of... Like, they saw the R.J. Hampton and the... Uh, not Lamelo. Yeah, no, it's Lamelo, right? Leandro's the it one. It is Lamelo, yeah. Yeah. Going to the NBL in Australia where they're paying low six figures to go play professionally for a year. And they found it silly for basically these guys having to go overseas to develop for a year America's top talent and then come back. Doesn't really, I mean, it is kind of, I think the word of the story was counterintuitive. It is kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. So Green is committing to become part of a year long developmental program with G League oversight that will include professional coaching top prospects and veteran players who will combine training and exhibition competitions against the likes of G League teams, foreign national teams, and NBA academies throughout the world. And the NBA's plan is to stock the team with veteran pro players who would be willing to balance mentorship of Green and other prospects with the personal opportunities that might emerge because of the intense NBA scouting exposure that will come with these teams. Isaiah Todd, who was planning to go to Michigan, is the other player who is going down this road. Now, at least for right now, Borky, they're talking about one team, which means they're only talking about a handful of the most elite prospects. This right. is not a deal where you get 150 kids that go, you know what, I'm going to skip college basketball, I'm going to go be part of this program in the G League. Right, The what... I guess the NCAA should be concerned with is if this works and the NBA decides to expand it, make it two teams, make it five, make it ten, and suddenly they have their own separate, like um, like rookie ball, basically, for yeah. the, the, the tweener guys that are after high school before NBA eligibility. That's when the NCAA is really going to hate this, if this ends up working. And right now, I mean, this kid, uh, I saw Shams say that he is – in compensation, going to earn for the one year about a million bucks, and that's before he signs endorsement deals. So, which he will get. But he there's a cap on this. Get. There's a cap on this because there's only X amount of kids that are worth paying six figures to stay in the United States and not go to college and develop. That's right. Like, and so, if like, I don't think he'd get no much past the two teams, those kids will will get big money from Nike, Adidas because they want to go ahead and get, and get them on board. I don't mean a cap on the money. I mean in terms of college basketball losing talent. There's a cap on the amount of kids that are this valuable. Oh, yeah. Maybe five a year at, at best, you would think. Yeah. And who's it going to hurt? It's it's not going to hurt Mississippi State or Ole Miss. It's going to hurt Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina. I guess that maybe there's a trickle-down effect because that semi-good player that State could have got, maybe he goes to Kentucky now. I don't know. Yeah. 
fascinating story. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops going forward.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.